Hey everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You are listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we're going to talk about this one key analysis that you need to create for your 2023 planning. And we're going to tell you exactly how to do it. Enjoy. You can, uh, you know what? You can have a place on the table. No, I don't think so. It's not pretty I mean, look at it. It's like uh, people will be like, okay. We played a game. Over engineering intros. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna you put that on my LinkedIn. This, but it's a yeah. like. <laughs> well, you gotta have fun with it. You gotta have fun with it. It's Monday, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to have a good start on the week, and nothing better than getting a shock. That's right. And you know I call what? it. I come to the office. You know, yeah. for everyone else. <laughs> I think also this is the first time we're ever gonna be able to do a perfect segue because you don't want to get a shock once the plan is made. Wow. Yeah. No, absolutely. Right? I think it's perfect. So let's talk about uh, shocks and planning. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna just gonna dial down the intro music then. Yeah. But we wanna play a little. Okay. No, I think so. So we've talked a bit about models in a previous episode. You see, build, building a model for an operating model to grow your revenue. Yeah. Right. And in that episode, we talked a bit about well, are people actually gonna trust you know that model you bring forward? Those numbers. And, and we've talked a bit about in the past also becoming, you know, that strategic partner if you're working in revenue operations where people, they actually listen and take action on the back of the, the advice that you're giving, right? And I think the, the, the other perspective that we also gained since then, actually, we just had a, a meetup in Berlin, Revenue mm -hmm. Ops meetup, uh, and we had a couple of those conversations with folks there. And some of them were basically also talking about this internally, but more from an analysis perspective. Yeah. Actually not instrumenting it as a tool, but more as a, hey, as a one-off, I looked into this, here's some insights perspective. Mm. And um, and I think today we wanted to basically explore that angle just a little bit more. Yeah, because we, we basically want to see if we can create a stepping stone yep. for the listener out there to become that strategic partner and eventually run QBRs, deploy an operating model. And you need to take the steps in order to gain the trust effectively. And right now what's happening is if it's not done already, a lot of planning is mm -hmm. being made for 23. That means a budget that defines where are we going to put what money, right? And, and on the other side, you're going to have the targets. And what is really hard for companies is to figure out what can this engine actually do, right? Yeah. I think, I think there are a couple of different, you know, routes towards that, that way of thinking. I think there is a, let's start with, do we even know what's working well for us? Mm. You know, that that could even be the first part of a conversation. And, and you know, one of my stories is here, before, before I did that, basically the whole organization was saying that outbound doesn't work. It's just lazy high schoolers sitting around scrolling Facebook. And then after I've done that calculation, it turns out that that was actually the best things since sliced bread. Mm. And uh, so, so this might sometimes be helping you and the rest of the organization to understand which channels are good, yeah. which channels aren't. And not only from a perspective of, you know, what is driving money and what is bringing attribution, but potentially also in a way of what is efficient growth yeah. in terms of CAC payback, what is scalable growth, what can you repeat? We also talked about this uh, yeah. recently on the show. So I think this is this is really the the first piece of understanding which of my channels actually work well and it could be regions, it could be products, it could be segments, it could be 
industries that you can you can you know tailor it to whatever you think is important for you and then once you have you know gained that understanding <clears throat> then the critical next step is to try and use it and and using it uh, potentially might happen actually in some of the budgeting work that's happening mm. or has happened or is going on right now in your organization and the uh, the point here is that and this is really what Mikkel is, is pointing out, there's usually a bit of a gap. And, you know, this is one of the things that we as Groblogs actually, you know, trying to address and fix in the market. There's usually a gap between your budget, which is really detailed about costs and talking really nicely about, hey, you know, this, those are the salaries, those are the taxes, here's your lunch expense, and, and you're creating a P&L and balance sheet from that. You know, from that to this is the revenue line item that the whole budget is built up on, those things usually there, there's a bit of a gap there, yeah. and the uh, you know what this analysis can help you is to potentially steer, if not your CFO, but steer your commercial leaders in figuring out what is the best way from A to B, mm. uh, because sometimes you might be constrained um, from a budget perspective, and actually to hit those targets, and you know this could be analysis that uh, definitely can um, can uh, help you also elevate in the organization and and bring like some real strategic RevOps uh, value to the place, right? Yeah. Becoming, bringing some business acumen into it is, yeah. what, is what it is, right? And I think we talked a bit about there's also a factor right now with with the way the market is mm -hmm. that, you know, might shift what the priorities are. Is it really revenue growth at a certain pace? Is it more mm -hmm. payback that's yep. becoming important? So what we're going to get into now is really one analysis that can start changing things not only for the business, but also how you are perceived and what impact you can make on the business in the long run, effectively. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. So let's let's jump into the um, the analysis. Yeah. So step one, and this is a bit of a recap from a couple of other episodes. Step one is the realization how revenue is actually being built in your organization. If you and the organization is still of the belief that it's a number of account executives and their quota times the ramp that they might be on mm. times the productivity number, if that is how you look at this is how revenue is being built, then um, then that then that show here is, is probably going to take you three or four levels further than that. And I'm not sure if we're going to achieve that step by step, right? Mm. But the, 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 the real important piece for, for this to work out is uh, you have come to the realization that the way to generate revenue is... And you know, I'm just going to say opportunities it could be leads, it could be other things, but opportunities times conversion rate times ACV, meaning your average contract value, times time, you know, the sales cycle or velocity or whatever you want to call it, that equals revenue, mm. right? You've already moved on from, hey, it's not based on the amount of reps that we have, account executives and their quota, it's actually based on the funnel, right? Yeah. And um, And then the first realization is, okay, cool, now that I that I know that it's about opportunities, how do I how do I go about it? What what can I actually do in order to create an overview of how efficient and how how valuable this thing is? The first step will be you will uh, look at your overall uh, revenue that you generate and the cost that you had to put in in order to get there, which is then called the CAC payback, and it will give you a certain number. That certain number is great. 
but it really doesn't give you any insights of what really is going on in your in your revenue engine. It's really a mix of all things happening there, mm. right? So really the first step that I took and we took actually, the first step is to figure out what are the important dimensions for my organization that I want to split this thing by, right? And the first idea in our case was, well, let's split it by outbound versus inbound. Yeah. Let's start super easy peasy here um, and basically say, okay, uh, those opportunities, and we're not talking perfect attribution either. This is not a 100% data quality, everything needs to be perfect kind of situation. This is a 90% is totally okay Mm. situation. So you start with what were all the opportunities that we generated in the last six to nine months uh, for outbound, yeah, or through outbound, and that might be SDRs, calling those people in the in the purest sense. It might also be in this more high contrast black and white world. It might be also account executives doing self-prospecting, right? Yeah. That's all the stuff you throw into the outbound opportunities. And then on the inbound opportunities, you have everything basically coming from marketing. Yeah, That's how you would think about it. And then there are those weird crossovers where, and I just want to kind of, I want to get really like nerdy on this. Then there are those weird crossovers where you have a lead that was generated a year ago from marketing. Yeah. And now an STR booked that account. Is it outbound or is it inbound, Tony? In my world, it is outbound. Mm. Uh, the, the attribution for the opportunity creation should come from, you know, what was the last touch creating that piece? Yeah. Instead of uh, someone downloaded Zoom, yeah. uh, Zoom info, put their name against it, and now everything is from Mikkel, right? Mm. It doesn't work like that. So it's really kind of who who created the last piece in order to get to the opportunity stage, right? And then you will you will basically come up with a fairly unambiguous lift, list of outbound opportunities, inbound opportunities. And then you look at all of them and you figure out how much revenue each of them closed, mm. which is you know one part of the equation. And then you look at the other piece, which is, okay, how much money did both of them cost us actually, yeah. right? How much money did we pay all of those SDRs? How much money did we pay for tooling for those SDRs, for recruiting maybe, for all, all kinds of things? That's an easy outbound cost. And then on the inbound cost, you basically take all the salaries, all the ad spend, all the tooling, everything that's in there. By the way, in order to achieve this, you need to have good ways in with finance. And then the the the, the piece that some people struggle a little bit with is, is oh no, uh, those account executives, they're kind of working on both things here. They're working on inbound and they're working on outbound. So how do you how do you distribute cost? And I think once you come to that question and once you ask, how should I distribute cost? Everyone is like, oh fuck, no, no, I figured, I figured this out immediately. I think a few people get to the point of actually saying like, oh wait, let's how, how should I do this actually? And there are a couple of different ways. I would keep it super simple. I would probably base it on uh, amounts of opportunity received. Mm. You can do it super fancy on uh, basically uh, sales cycles and so forth or activities or closed one opportunities. There are many different yeah, keys yeah. you could choose. What we'll keep it simple on opportunities received. So let's just say you have an account executive team and you know their costs and their commissions and their manager and so forth. That's the cost base. How do you split it you know, towards the different streams? If you have 1,000 opportunities, 400 from marketing and 600 from outbound, you basically, you know, split that cost base 40, 60. Yeah. That's basically how you do it. And now you have a very clear overview of how much money did you spend on marketing, both on the department and ads, but also how much processing time of the account executives was used on this, yeah. aka the cost. This is now your MCAC. This is your true marketing customer acquisition cost, by the way. 
And then you put this against what those marketing opportunities produce in terms of revenue. And now you have a CAC payback for marketing. Yeah. And then you do the rest, basically the inverse of this for outbound. And now you will probably have two very different numbers from the overall number that you looked at. You will, yeah. you know, the overall number is just a mix of those two. Mm. Now. And now you kind of have see different, different levels here. <clears throat> so quick question, right? So there's a bunch of numbers you need to get a hold of. Mm -hmm. And some of these might be tricky. Salary is going to be potentially pretty hard. Yeah. How much, how, even on cost side, how accurate for this analysis to be impactful do you need? Can you make assumptions, for example, on salary? You know, just think about the reality that there might be a listener out there where it's not going to be that easy to get all the data. So the, the trick I would use to keep it very accurate, instead of saying, okay, I need to know how much Mikkel makes, how much <laughs> Tony makes, how much Anton makes, and so forth... You basically go to uh, finance and say, can you give me the sum total mm. of, you know, this department and define the department by such and such? And that's it. You can you can deal in sums instead of in the, uh, the, the units below, which makes it a less so scary conversation with finance, by the way, by far. Yeah. And I, and I bet also if you if you're still running against the wall, telling them what you actually need it for they might start getting interested. I think they might get something interested. They might, you know, some finance teams might, you know, spreading their elbows and being uh, <laughs> no, defensive is, about it. Yeah. And it's, you do it in an Excel spreadsheet. I do it in an Excel spreadsheet. So um, so there, there, there might be a little bit of that and maybe that's a future episode sitting <laughs> here somewhere. But, um, but not, you know, I, I think this can be overcome. Yeah. If you, by the way, if, if you are a RevOps, this is 1000% for you. If you are a revenue leader, you should probably kind of send this episode to your RevOps mm. to figure this out. But revenue leaders usually have budget authority and they usually can basically tell finance to give you those numbers, yeah. by the way. So, so it, you know, th there are a couple of ways into getting this. I don't think this is super secretive, but obviously you need to be careful about this just a little bit, right? And then, so basically you end at the point where you've split CAC payback yeah. between inbound and outbound. Yes. And a lot of companies are going to, well, some of the maturities, they're going to do that. It's fairly common. What is the next step? Well, So I, I recently talked to Ray Reich and he told me that 82, 85% of organizations don't do it. And he asked me actually why. Uh, so it's like, it's like we're talking, okay. a lot of companies don't do this stuff, right? But the next step I would probably do and depends on how large your organization is, uh, you probably might be working on more than just one region, one country, one territory. I would suggest you also split it by region. Mm. In Europe, that's fairly standard and straightforward and important because you have all of those different languages and you basically have different sales teams for all of yeah. those different languages. In the US, it's you know it might be a West Coast, East Coast thing. It might be US versus international and so forth, right? <clears throat> but you, know, you, you basically want to create more insights and understanding what are the buckets you're dealing with actually, right? And again, how how would you do this? So you take your, and you know, by now I think people might get it, you take your outbound bucket, mm. you realize how many outbounds were created for EMEA versus for the US, you split those two, you split the AEs based on where they're sitting, now you don't need to do it by a key, now you know exactly where they're sitting actually, yeah. and so forth, right? You, 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 you get the point. You might now be left with four different buckets, inbound US, outbound US, inbound EMEA, outbound EMEA, mm. right? Uh, and again, those four numbers will tell you a completely different story about you know, all of this stuff than the overall 
you know, I have a 21-month CAC payback for the whole business, right? Which is basically fairly useless to deal with. Uh, what you will see is that, and this is random guessing, what you will see is that US is usually more expensive than EMEA. Yeah. And <clears throat> there are two reasons for that. Reason number one is from our very much uh, European perspective, you, ha you have this as your home turf and then you expand somewhere else and then expanding somewhere else, lower maturity, fewer, fewer people know you on the market, etc. Mm. tends to be more expensive. But then there's also the other side, even if you're in the US, usually it's much more competitive in the US. Yeah. Where, wherever anyone founds a startup, is it Israel, Denmark, Portugal, what's their second or third market they're going to expand to? It's the US. Yeah. Everyone goes to the US and basically... The, the the winner is crowned in the US. Yep. If if you own Germany, no one no one cares. The winner is crowned in the US, right? All so the VC money is there as well. No, exactly. You know. That's why also they want you to go there. It's basically like you either make it there <laughs> and you're gonna be a unicorn, <laughs> or you don't make it there and we don't need to talk to each other anymore. Yeah, yeah. But uh, th that's that's why the reason the US is usually the payback is more expensive there, right? So what do you do if uh, let's say you run the analysis and you look at in this case regions, US is very expensive. Yeah. But it is a priority for you to grow in. Mm -hmm. So now, so first of all, it needs to be clear in the organization that it is a priority to grow in. And I think it was very much so the case a year ago with abundant cash. Sure, you know, let's have worse kick payback, let's go. I think now some of that might have changed just a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I think triggering that conversation for your commercial leader or even for C-level, very interesting. And now the big question you need to ask, so this is how I sometimes phrase it, the big question you need to ask yourself is really how much of a premium are you willing to pay for US dollar revenue? Yeah, That is a question you need to ask yourself. And if you want to impress your boss and stuff, I think the answer is the delta, so the difference between uh, multiples of the exit market. We're getting really this technical is really, yeah, right I'm now. Like, whoa. Um, for, for um, you know, in the US versus Europe. Okay. That's really kind of how I need to think about it. Uh, because in the US, they are happy to pay you 10, 15, 20x revenue. And you want to be seen then as a company that, you know, is getting those revenues versus a company that is in Europe, which usually has more, and, and they're probably kind of getting closer to each other now, but usually more of a 5 to 10x revenue so kind of thing. So basically what you're saying, the same amount of revenue is worth more in yes. the US because it trades yes. at a different multiple. Yes. Keep it at a, you know, dumb it down for me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, but that's that's kind of how you need to think about it. Yeah. And that might, and obviously there's some risk to it. So that's my, how you might think about the premium. Mm. But now let's go to the other dimension, which is inbound versus outbound. Yep. And what you will usually see, and that might not be true actually anymore fully, but what you usually might see is that outbound might be a bit cheaper than inbound. Not fully true anymore, I would say. But in reality, uh, without even thinking about that, what you probably would want to see or what you would be okay with is to pay a little bit of a premium for inbound revenue, actually. Mm. So why is that? Well, number one, there's a bit of a crossover. You know, you need to finance the website and yeah. a couple of other things and and the white papers and the ebooks and the stuff that the SDRs are rooms. sending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the funds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... Um, you know, there, there's a bit of spillover that basically is not true, you know, CAC in yeah. that sense yeah. um, and also helps the SDR. So I think you should always be happy with a little bit of a premium and obviously brand brand awareness that it's really hard to price it in today. 
And uh, that's how I would actually sometimes think about it, right? Yeah. So uh, I think you should be okay to pay a bit of a premium for the revenue coming from marketing uh, versus outbound. There are some more complicated arguments you could run in terms of, hey, is maybe my lifetime value is higher for marketing stuff. Mm, velocity um, is also... Velocity yeah. might be faster, so less money spent on processing and so forth. So there might be a couple of other more complicated ways you might argue a way around it. But that's <clears throat> that's how I probably... That's how I would probably see it. Yeah. Right? And by the way, at this point, you have those four different buckets, you have those opinions, you're not Mr. Uh, Salesforce anymore. No, it's a very different conversation. It's a completely different conversation. Yeah. And the, the reason you can have that conversation is you understand the engine, you mm -hmm. understand all the different corners, you understand the math behind it, and you bring up the math to your boss and be like, hey, you know, we have those four options, five, six, 10, 20, whatever. And uh, I think for us to realistically hit this revenue target with the yep. budget that we have, we probably need to make a hard decision, which is you know overinvesting in those two buckets versus in the others. Yeah. And in some cases, even taking money away from some buckets and putting it in the other ones. And so that now, you know, logically speaking, gives you more this typical I hate this thing, but more bang for the buck. Yeah. But what it also does, it will reduce your CAC payback in that moment. Mm -hmm. You know, simply by reallocating resources, taking something from the expensive bucket and pouring it into the cheaper bucket, you will have basically achieved a better CAC payback in that sense. I mean, we ba basically ended up doing it, and maybe that's like the next layer we are going to get into, but we ended up doing it uh, on the marketing side, shifting around budget into Google and events. Yeah. And and it worked. So, and... There's now one fundamental... So first of all, do this analysis, honestly, do it. Yeah. And and maybe in the first step, only go to this level. Yeah, it can get hairy. It can get hairy one level deeper. I mean, maybe you have a strong partnership channel or something like that. You should you know basically do the same thing. And by the way, in general, usually for me, and maybe that has changed now, but inbound, outbound, fairly close to one another, also usually driving most of your revenue. So this will be the heavy part of your mm. CAC payback. Yeah. And usually ranges between 12-month CAC payback for very efficient companies to 24 and above, right? And then you have a partners, which usually come in much lower. We're talking maybe six months, 10 months, half half of the inbound-outbound stuff. And, and the reason is you don't need to pay for a lot of top funnel work. Yeah. But it's also less scalable. Uh, usually it's just adding more partners is actually not the way to do it. So it's some that you, you're less in control of this channel. That's yeah. sometimes the downturn. So scalability is really the question here. And then you have upsell. Upsell usually is your cheapest buckets, uh, cheapest bucket in the sense of, for me, it was sometimes at three months, CAC payback, four months maybe. Yeah. And for others, depending on how they do the math, maybe they don't have account managers. Um, sometimes it's, you know, half a month CAC payback, yeah. right? So this is, this is how your landscape will look like across channels usually. Mm. I mean, so so this analysis wouldn't it almost get you an you know a guest appearance at the table if you do it right? I think so. I think so. And and now maybe maybe we talk about what would be challenging questions. Yeah. That maybe that could be fun actually. So one question is okay, cool. So Let's double click on marketing. Mm -hmm. Where would you allocate the cash differently in marketing? Yeah. Right? That you, you could basically be on, you know, this one level inbound outbound. Maybe that's simple. But maybe someone will ask you, well, we really don't have outbound. Yeah. 
and we don't believe in it. We don't want to build it out. Uh, so it's still one dimensional. It's mm -hmm. inbound versus, I don't know, upsell. Yeah. And upsell, that's kind of capped in terms yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. you know, your tactics. So then you get into this whole marketing machinery of what, what you want to uh, scale there, right? I think that could be a question that might might lead to blank stares on, on your side. But I think it's also a great question to get because you know what you're going to say? You know what? I would love to go and do the analysis. And yeah. then then actually, if you, ha if you can manage to do it, you go do it. Or you, you know, talk about the fact, do you actually have the resources yeah. you need? Blah, 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 I, blah. So Maybe I, don't turn it into a resource thing. No, but, no, no, no. The, people don't want to hear that. But it's a positive thing. Yeah. I think what you can do as a one-off there also on the marketing side is, um, and there's a couple of more things to consider, so it's sometimes yeah. a little bit shitty, but to try and follow your gut a little bit and your gut will probably be talking about maybe your paid social spend and you will be like, hey, I don't think this paid social thing is working out. Or you look into uh, some of the uh, webinar and white paper download leads. Classic. Yeah. You know, um, and and that will probably push you into a little bit of a rabbit hole. But the the, the basic idea is kind of the same thing, yeah. right? You, you basically to. take, instead of saying just inbound, yeah. you're basically saying, okay, let's look at the uh, webinars and white paper downloads. Again, whenever I go down on this rant here, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying your tactics around it should probably change. So the 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 point is you have all of those non-handraiser leads coming in. Uh, maybe you put even some ad dollars against it to push for it. And maybe you get a bunch of interest. Maybe you get thousands of, of different leads, right? <clears throat> so then the next step is, Uh, CMO says, hey, I have all of those fantastic leads. Some of them are actually even a fit. Now, here, SDR team being managed by sales leader. Yeah. Go call all of those leads. And what is so baffling to me, and I've seen this now, not only in, in the companies I worked at, but also in you know, a couple of others, those leads tend to perform poorer. And everyone's like, then, in, you know, then demo requests. Well, that's for sure. But they tend to perform poorer than outbound. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit mind-blowing but i think it's also the approach and, and think about it you invested in something where someone engaged with you and your brand they got some knowledge and then they get a pitch that's not, probably not what they're expecting at that stage right no so, i think actually so i've been thinking about this for so long because it's such a nice mind twister i think you get the worst of both worlds basically what what do i mean with that well on on the outbound side you have people that don't know you mm. Um, but you can be super targeted. So that's great. That's how you balance it. On the uh, inbound world, generally speaking, not just the white paper stuff, you have very loose targeting. Yeah. You get the shape of the market, yeah. kind of, with exceptions, but they know you and then they convert nicely. So you kind of, you know, both things balance out nicely. But with white paper downloads, you kind of get the, the, the messy middle in between, which is people that, you know, you didn't target them and uh, they're not ready to buy. So basically, both things are kind of shitty, um, yeah. and and then uh, that basically then leads to worse results in the end, right? Yeah. Anywho, kind of going through that analysis, what you will probably be doing is kind of, hey, you have those webinar leads, maybe you're able to, and this needs work with your uh, marketing leader because this is now stuff that we can't just say all marketing costs. It needs to be, well, who exactly and how much money and so forth. Mm. And I think this is a great one-off you know, analysis to really kind of go deep dive into this and also build a relationship maybe with that marketing leader. Um, 
and then say, okay, how many leads did we get? How many opportunities did it take? How much revenue did we get out of it? And then you stack against it uh, the money it took in order to get those leads, uh, the work it took from those reps that had to call these leads, mm. and then you know the opportunities coming out and closing and how much time that took from the AEs. If you sum all of that thing up, <clears throat> chances are it will be a very terrible CAC payback yeah. equation in the end. And um, and that can be a really nice lead into, okay, maybe we should broaden this. Yeah. Uh, where should we put this money instead and so forth, right? And I think, by the way, if this is happening at you know the company you're working in, there's a lot of leads being created in marketing and nothing happens on the sales side. It's, it's a pretty good sign that there's a misalignment in how you go to market with yeah. those two teams, right? That's really what it is. And and that's where it becomes very powerful to to just look at CAC payback. Mm-hmm. Because you might realize if you if you told this to the VP of marketing and said, you know what, we've spent, I don't know, two hundred K last this year so far on, you know, sponsoring ebooks and webinars, we've gotten one customer. We could spend all that money building the brand instead. So and, and here's here's where some of these mind twisters set in. So number one uh, sometimes, and I hate to say it, sometimes sales feedback is great feedback. Mm. If your sales reps are not keen on those leads, there's something yeah. wrong with those leads, I'm telling you. If they are stumbling over each yes. other to get them, yes. then you know. Yes. And then the other thing is once, and this is now we're going to this demand gen, you know, magic yeah. land. Yeah, yeah. Um, but once you realize, okay, maybe we should have spent those 200K on putting this ebook together and blah, 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 and, you know, pushing it out, maybe that is the right thing. But those leads coming out of it, you know, simply not worth it because basically you gated the, you gated this thing, yeah. and you know, for someone to get it, they need to give their you need to create themselves as a lead basically. They just ungate the whole thing. Suddenly, you will have much wider distribution. Yeah. You know, suddenly you're kind of hitting many more people, and that's kind of what I'm sometimes saying is like, don't shift the don't shift the purpose in between in some of those in some of those campaigns. It's like. Yes, you know, we're doing this to do brand recognition. Well, if that is true, then take the sign-up form away. Mm. Because if you have the, or the, uh, you know, basically the lead capture, if you have the lead capture in there, it will become a lead and it will be handed like a lead and it won't work out. You should probably do a different asset altogether. But anyway, so this this is maybe drifting here. But again, that could be a cool kind of insight to the VP of marketing, honestly. And again, that's that's the relationship building that, you know, is that stepping stone for you to become a strategic partner at the end of the day? It's being able to have those conversations. And I think that's the beauty of starting to split down opportunities, whether you do it by region or by motion or whatever, and then understanding where do you get, you know, most opportunities for less cost. Absolutely. And I think one one other tangent here potentially to go out on is really the... Um, Okay, now maybe the the CMO bought into the fact that you know this is not a great tactic. Yeah. He or she might ask, so what else should we do? Right? You do the whole analysis and you find out now, and there will be a messy conversation about attribution in the middle there. I'm going to skip over this for a second, but you will come to the realization that uh, direct traffic, and if you're really really good at this branded search, those two things as a combined bucket together. Uh, will have the best CAC payback for you uh, mm. as, a, as a whole organization. And then the big question is like, okay, cool. Um, how do I scale that though? Yeah. How do I scale direct and branded search? And um, the answer is, you you know, the way you got to have that bucket in the first place is did all the other spend 
you know, you tell you told people who you are, where you are in the market, what the problems you're attacking, how you're solving it, and then over time they'll come back. But you will digitally be very challenged in connecting those two things to one another, yeah. which is which is making this a super messy problem. But to be honest, I think you as a RevOps person should be aware that that problem exists. And you should then basically kind of step away and give this to the VP marketing guys because those are the ones that need to figure that problem out, right? Unlike, which I've seen sometimes, uh, someone working in finance comparing invoices from Google versus Facebook, <laughs> going into quick attribution on Salesforce and saying, hey, from Facebook, Facebook, we basically don't get anything. From Google, we get a lot. Let's put more money into Google. And I think this is, this is where those finance folks overstepping in my in my opinion and my experience, and you as RevOps should should know where your knowledge stops, and it stops right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, stop stop giving advice to our VP marketing. It's um it's a dangerous game to play in that sense. And also, the VP marketing is hired to figure it out. It's much better for that person to then ask, "Hey, can we look into this area? What is your you know take?" If they ask for it, um, yeah, exactly. And if if that's not the right VP marketing, then that's a different conversation, which probably you won't be looped into either no probably not but so uh, you know this is this is the stepping stone basically to uh to become more strategic i think so and i think obviously you know once you have done this maybe you want to do it again when when it's instrumented and so forth and i think um this is this is then the stepping stone towards an operating model actually yeah and so this is um yeah, this is almost also a little bit the story of uh, Olafo and Tony figuring out some things and then presenting it to C-Level and then the board and getting buy-in and, and you know, all of that stuff. Right? So you weren't just lying with numbers. <laughs> I mean, you got me. Yes, finally. Redemption. Nice. <laughs> but I uh, hope this was helpful. Thank you so much for sharing some tips with our audience here yet again. And, Thanks, uh, Michael. Thank you for listening.